Episode 177 of the Read to Lead podcast is brought to you in part by our friends at Cloud Accounting Software, FreshBooks, offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial. To claim your free trial, just go to freshbooks.com slash read to lead and enter read to lead in the how did you hear about us section. From my research, I think the biggest myth is this idea that we should follow your passion. But it's not about following your passion. It's about seeking out a meaningful struggle, and that will that will lead to passion. Welcome to the Read to Lead podcast with Jeff Brown. Jeff believes that if you desire to achieve true success in business and in life, then consistent and intentional reading is a must. The Read to Lead podcast will not only help you narrow this ever-important reading list, but also bring you key insights and valuable feedback from some of today's most successful and inspiring authors. And now, here's Jeff. Hi, I'm Jeff. Welcome to the podcast that is dedicated to your personal and professional growth, where we dig into topics like leadership and personal growth, productivity, career, business, marketing, sales, and entrepreneurship. Now, recently and out of the blue, I had a friend and former client introduce me via email to today's guest. And as I studied up on him, I decided to check out his book, uh, the main title of which was initially, at least, Lost on Me. But when I read the subtitle, that's when it all came together for me. I knew this was an author and a book that I needed to feature. So allow me then to introduce you to Akshay Nanavati. He's the author of Fearvana, the revolutionary science of how to turn fear into health, wealth, and happiness. And I plan to ask Akshay about the superpower we're all born with and what that means, how to train yourself to mold your mindset, the myth of work-life balance, and much, much more. Uh, For a few weeks, the book is available at fearvana.com for free. You just pay shipping and handling. Otherwise, you can find it on Amazon. We've got a link in the show notes, readdeletepodcast.com slash 177. In the book, Akshay essentially asks, what if you could turn your greatest fears and obstacles into your biggest advantages and opportunities? Akshay will join us in just a moment, but before we hear from him, I want to share with you briefly about our sponsor for today's episode, Cloud Accounting Software, FreshBooks. You know, I'm by nature not a very organized person. One of the ways FreshBooks Cloud Accounting Software truly helps me is in those situations where I have recurring invoices that I need to go out. When I first create an invoice for a client, which takes me only about 30 seconds to do, right then and there, I can set it up as a recurring invoice. Just over the weekend, I had some money come into my bank account and I thought, where in the world is is that coming from? And, and I, I checked it out and I realized, oh, uh, it, it's clients paying on invoices that, that went out automatically. I didn't even have to think about it. And, and the money comes in. That's just one of many ways that FreshBooks uh, can help you too. I love it. Been using it for a long time. And I am thrilled that they believe enough in the Read to Lead podcast uh, to put their efforts behind it. Without any obligation, you can try out FreshBooks free for 30 days. And during that 30-day trial, you can take advantage of every aspect, every feature inside the all-new FreshBooks. Uh, to claim your free trial, just go to freshbooks.com slash read to lead. And then be sure to type read to lead in the how did you hear about us section. Again, that special URL to take advantage of this free 30-day no obligation offer is freshbooks.com slash read to lead. Akshay Nadavati is a Marine Corps veteran, adventurer, and entrepreneur. I, I long to grow up and be like him one day, actually. 
Um, after overcoming drug addiction, a diagnosis of PTSD after the war in Iraq and a battle with alcohol that actually pushed him to the brink of suicide, Akshay has since explored some of those hostile environments on the planet and built a global business helping people live limitless lifestyles. His work also funds his nonprofit, the Firvana Foundation. Now, combining years of research in neuroscience, one of my favorite topics, and psychology with his life experience, Akshay has written a brand new book called Firvana, the revolutionary science of how to turn fear into health, wealth, and happiness. And the book is available now for pre-order. Akshay, welcome officially to the Read to Lead podcast. Thank you so much, Jeff. It's a real pleasure to be here. Well, a couple of things I've learned thus far from, from reading Akshay's book. One is that no matter your circumstances, no matter your past, any one of us can change how that's impacted us, how that impacts us now when we understand how the brain works. The other thing I've learned, and I, and I don't mean this in a derogatory way, but I think, I think Akshay would agree with me that if Akshay can do it, anybody can. Uh, And and to that end, Akshay, I thought we would start by having you share about some, maybe a little more detail, those hurdles you had to overcome to get to the point where you are today. Sure, sure. And I couldn't agree with you more about that point that if I can do it, anybody can, because I'm honestly the poster child for making mistakes. Uh, I've been a nightmare of a child to my parents. So, you know, as you said in the introduction, I, in at a young age, I spent about a year and a half of my life with drugs and alcohol. And I mean, I was just the worst child. I had been arrested, uh, was in jail. I had gotten caught stealing. I mean, I was, I put my parents through a lot. <laughs> and so literally everything you could imagine, I, I, I screwed up doing. And I got out of that phase when I watched the movie Black Hawk down. It kind of became this trigger for me that led to this series of events of reading the book on Black Hawk Down and watching movie, other war movies and really immersing myself in life in the military that I got out of drugs and joined the Marines. And through the Marines, I started to find value in pushing my limits and actually discovering that I could there is no end to how far I could push that line. So I went mountain climbing, skydiving, cave diving, ice diving. I mean, you kind of name it. Nature became my playground to explore my limitations. Mm. So from there, I then eventually went to Iraq in 2007, which, as you can imagine, was also a terrifying experience. Mm. But <laughs> but often those are the ones that lead us to growth. So I found a lot of value in that experience as well, came back, but then I struggled with life back home. I was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder. And that's when I hit that moment where I struggled with alcoholism. And after that, that is what drove me to the research that led me to this concept of fearvana, because I discovered that my greatest moments in my in my life were the ones that terrified me from climbing mountains, from joining the Marines, from going to Iraq. And the research in neuroscience and psychology only validated this uh, this uh, life experience that I had, and that's what led to ultimately this book and this idea that fear that we find our bliss by engaging our fears, not running away from them. Now, I believe I read or heard that your wife had something to do with with coming up with that term. Is that correct? (laughs) She did. She actually coined the word. I had been kind of living this lifestyle, but she crystallized it by giving it the name. I wish I could steal credit for it because when she said it, I was like, that's gold. (laughs) (laughs) Now, there's a story you share uh, near the beginning of the book that intrigued me, uh, and it was this satisfaction uh, that you get out of doing things uh, that your wife expressly wishes you wouldn't do. And I, I (laughs) I had to laugh when I was reading that because I saw myself in that, in fact, I was just practicing that before this interview and got the look from my wife, and I was starting to tell her about your book and some of the science. and And the, her first question was, "Is he an only child, or is he the firstborn?" Because she believes this has a lot to do with birth order. 
Huh, interesting. Yeah, I'm actually not the only child. I have an older brother. Ah, well, good. Uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's, not, it's not as she believes it to be. I, that's all I wanted to hear. <laughs> exactly. I can relate. <laughs> well, uh, you believe that, that no emotion is inherently good or bad on its own, including fear and guilt and stress and anxiety, and I've had all of those at one time or another. Talk mm-hmm. about the importance of making things like fear, as you hinted a moment ago, your friend, making it work for you. Uh, this is a really essential uh, concept because we often assign labels and judgments to these emotions, like some of these you mentioned. They're the ones that we perceive as negative, right? But neuroscience and psychology has shown that we don't actually control what first shows up in our brain. So, for example, if I'm standing on the edge of a cliff and I feel fear, it's a natural response to that. And the brain is always asking itself, is this thing going to kill me? Evolutionary speaking, that's our brain's most important function. So fear is something we don't control. And our current brain is not adapted for life in this modern world. It's set up for an archaic world where survival is a daily concern. So we feel fear a lot more than we think. But that's okay. It's not a bad thing. It's essential not to judge our fears. And I'll give you an example. I worked with this one gentleman and he told me once that I feel I just need to wait for the fear to go away so I can quit my job and start my business. (laughs) And I said, that's your problem. You're waiting for the fear to go away because he made the fear mean he was weak. I said that it's normal to feel fear before quitting a job to start a business. And when we stop labeling our fears and judging it, we can actually channel it into something meaningful and Tons of studies have shown that when we truly make our fear work for us, it actually changes our biology. It releases a series of chemicals in our brain that actually turn us into superhuman. It makes fear work for us instead of against us. Well, you contend that that every one of us is born with a superpower, the superpower called neuroplasticity, meaning we have the ability to to rewire our brains. You've hinted at some of this, that that we can actually, uh, through some of these techniques, change how our brains compartmentalize some of this. Is that, is that a mm-hmm. good way to say it? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Everything, if you think of everything in your brain as a physical structure, so a memory, a habit pattern. So for example, when I used to struggle with alcoholism, right? If let's say I come home from work or I come home, uh, any trigger, and like I come home from work, I open up a bottle of beer. That becomes a wiring in your brain, a physical mm-hmm. wiring. And you can change that wiring. And when you realize this concept, it's, it's a beautiful thing because you can change anything, no matter where you are. In the research that I took on for this book, I read about this woman who was diagnosed as mentally handicapped. She couldn't read she couldn't read a clock. For example, if the clock had two, two fifteen, she wouldn't be able to tell what, what that meant when the small hand was at two and the big hand was at three. So she literally focused her brain, just staring at a clock like that and, and turning uh, with a, with a postcard and turning the back of the card and it would say 215 and she taught her brain to learn what the what these faces of the clock meant and and we can all do that for anything we can actually shape our brain and reframe it and create a brain that helps us and advances us in the life that we want to live well, one of the most fascinating things for me from reading the book is this idea that because perception shapes reality it's possible for us to go back to past experiences and change uh, for the better how those memories influence and impact us uh, today. Can, can you unpack maybe an example of what that might look like? Mm-hmm. This was an invaluable concept for me as well when I struggled with uh, PTSD, as I, as I was saying, and came back from the war and was really struggling with how I perceived the war. So what I came to learn is that memories are not the way we truly believe them to be. So for example, Jeff, if I were to ask you, what did you do yesterday? Now, you tell me what you did yesterday, and tomorrow, if I ask you, what did you do two days ago, you're not actually remembering that event from yesterday. You're remembering yourself remembering that event from today. So every time we activate a memory, it's actually remembering the last time we activated that memory. Mm. 
And what this means is that our memories actually lie to us and we can actually change them because every time we activate a memory, it, it is affected by our present state of being. So the problem with most therapy and why I struggled with therapy and ultimately had to heal myself was that they send you into a negative state when you go back into these experiences that affect us. So my experience was at war. So I'm constantly in a negative state and it's only reinforcing the negativity of that experience. So what I learned to do is put myself in a positive state and then ultimately reframe how I view the memory, how I view these past experiences. So to give you an example, for a long time after the war, I struggled with survivor's guilt. And everybody from my the therapist, my friends, my family saying, you shouldn't feel guilty. You know, it's not your fault. This friend of mine that I lost in the war, I constantly felt that I wish it had been me instead of him. And to this day, I feel that guilt that I wish it had been me who died instead of him. And I realized as I came about this, this study on memories that I couldn't, I couldn't make that memory go away. Once again, to go back, we don't control what shows up in our brain, right? And this was memory so anchored in me, this guilt. But I learned to channel it into something meaningful. I looked at a, I put myself in a positive state. I looked at all the things I want to do in my life, the impact I want to make. And especially when you focus on an impact, it releases oxytocin, which is quote unquote, the love hormone in the brain. And that actually helps you engage your fears. Plenty of studies have validated that. And by doing that, I now tell myself that since I am still alive, let me earn this life. Let me do something meaningful with it. And now my guilt has become my ally. It helps me stay sober. It helps me focus on doing meaningful work. It helped me actually finish this book because writing the book was a terrifying experience. <laughs> so it helped me focus that, okay, I don't want to die without having created this book that this you know shared fear of honor with the world. So we can all change our past. And it's a really cool thing to think about the memories this way because then they're malleable, right? Right, right. And, and, and one of the things I appreciate about a book like this is the level of research that has gone into it. You're constantly citing the work of other psychologists and neuroscientists mm -hmm. and folks like Carol Dweck. And I mean, that's just a tip mm -hmm. of the iceberg. And I love a book that brings all of this together and, and helps unpack a lot of this for us. So, so thank you for that. I want to talk a bit about spark events. Uh, give us an example of a spark event and what that means. Sure. So as I mentioned, when I got out of drugs in high school, I watched that movie Black Hawk Down. So that became a spark event that triggered the series of other events, which was reading the book and reading other books on military and combat that sent me into the military. And researcher Daniel Coyle is talking about the research uh, who wrote this book, The Talent Code. He discovered that in all these experiences of greatness, whenever somebody is performs as a mastery at his respective art, it starts with the spark event. And it makes sense that the spark event comes from outside because we're nobody's born with anything innately, right? I'm not born with a desire to be a author or a speaker or somebody's not born with the, to be a golfer or a basketball player. We get shaped by the outside world and the outside world gets, and, and so it, so this happens through these spark events. So Black Hawk Down, for example, is one of these spark events for me. Uh, watching runners. For, so when I was in Iraq, I read this book, Ultra Marathon Man by Dean Carnassus, And that became a spark event that led me into a path of ultra running. And now I absolutely love it. So spark events shape how we decide to pursue a life, where we want to go with our life. And they're essential to ultimately creating our path our and leading to the passion that we that the way we live our lives. And everybody, if you look at Michael Phelps or Shaquille O'Neal, Michael Jordan, for example, his spark event was when he was rejected from the high school team in basketball. That became a spark event because of that disappointment and that shock. And he said that, okay, I'm never going to let this happen again. And he became Michael Jordan. <laughs> now, are you saying that these are events that we recognize with 2020 hindsight, or are you are you suggesting that these are moments we can be intentional about creating? 
It's a bit of both. I mean, once we become aware that this is where greatness starts, right? Success starts with the spark event. Then we can become conscious about recognizing it. Mm. And I mean, conscious about creating it, for example, not just recognizing it. So not just being aware of what's happening around us and saying, okay, how can I, this moment is powerful. I want to choose this to be a spark moment and then trigger that memory and make it so, but actually seek it out. So Mm. when I knew, for example, I wanted to go get into ultra running after Iraq, I started seeking out other spark events. And I read about this ultra runner, Pat Farmer who ran from the North Pole to the South Pole, averaging about two marathons a day in 10 and a half months. I mean, it's just an insane feat of just pure impossibility that he manifested, right? But I sought that out. I was looking for spark events to trigger something great in me about my passion for ultra running. And his 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 uh, uh, feat became a spark event for me to say, I want to run across every country in the world. <laughs> <laughs> so I generated a spark and then it led to a goal as a result. Well, uh, talk about what is, in, in your view, uh, Akshay, the myth of, of work-life balance. I think, you know, yeah, we often obviously hear, hear this concept, right, that mm. we separate our work and our life. And Richard Branson was a huge uh, inspiration in this idea. He says, I don't think of work as work and play as play. It's all living to me. <laughs> When we actually activate these spark moments and then we choose our path, we can, everything under under this umbrella of our path can get consumed. So my work life and my personal life is not separate. My wife is actually supporting me on this book of Fearvana and launching it. She, Like I said, she coined the term. Mm. We talk about work all the time. So it's not like I come home and turn off my work because everything is under, under this umbrella of my life purpose, which I, I now define as the desire to enhance the human potential in self and others. So that's my umbrella purpose. And everything is consumed about that. I think we need to stay obsessed about our path and not separate work and play, but combine them, the two. And I love it. I mean, I talk about my wife in my work context, just like I am now. And I talk about work to my wife and they're not sort of these two distinct things, but they're one that that are kind of very cohesive and very complementary. And so we don't separate the two and we can actually become obsessed about achieving greatness in whatever endeavor we choose to pursue. Well, a big focus of this podcast, as you all know, is personal growth and development, obviously leadership uh, component there as well. But I'm curious to know, Akshay, what advice you would give to somebody who is struggling to find their their path in life? Is it about you know understanding your passion? Is it going back to childhood and figuring out what you loved then and, 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 and figuring out a way to, to work that in to your everyday or is it something else? For my research, I think the biggest myth, especially with entrepreneurs, is that this idea that we should follow your passion. Mm. And I can't tell you how many young kids do I speak to who have all heard this and they're seeking out this passion. But it's not about following your passion. It's about seeking out a meaningful struggle, and that will that will lead to passion. So, for example, Michael Phelps, when he started swimming, he used to be terrified of the water. As he started swimming, he got better at the sport, and his passion for the sport grew. So what you want to do is find a meaningful struggle. Struggle is inevitable in life. And when you, when you engage in one struggle that you choose, that you decide this is the struggle you want to pursue, this is your meaningful struggle, then that will lead to passion. And often a way to find out, okay, then, then the question is, what is my meaningful struggle? And you start with looking at, looking at the lifestyle you want to create. So this is where you get the references, everything that's shaped who you are now, who you want to be. Look at what do you, what, what do you want to create in your life? 
And what do you not want to create in your life? What are the things that you don't want to be a part of your ideal lifestyle? So look at kind of those combinations of the two and then seek out references to validate this lifestyle that you choose. So as I said, I knew I wanted to get into running. I wanted to find something meaningful. So I found those spark moments. I sought out um, I sought out these, uh, these references to validate this lifestyle and to actually help me embark upon it. And then it's about embracing the struggle because it's going to be hard. In fact, just yesterday, Jeff, I spoke to this one kid who had a corporate job, just got out of college. Hey, his life and he's like he's again looking to seek out his passion and when he heard this he actually said to me he said so there's no such thing as a stress-free life like really kind of <laughs> harsh you know harsh but sh- shaken by that reality and i said no there's not but that's not a bad thing that's a good thing a stress-free life as long as we, it's a stress that's meaningful to us is beautiful i mean i'm constantly stressed about the book about running about everything but it's beautiful i enjoy the stress and it drives me forward one of the things I've learned over the last few years as I've dealt with occasional and out of the blue episodes of anxiety is to leverage that. Mm-hmm. Uh, other situations where I've really experienced it, public speaking, not so much, but still something mm-hmm. that, that can be very nerve wracking. Yeah. I, when, I, when I've done that more, when I've pushed through that uncomfortableness and that fear and that anxiety associated with that, I always come out on the other side the better for it and so glad. I'm never more confident. I am never more confident in my own abilities than in that that exact moment at the end of a public talk I've just given. And I've tried to capture that moment in my memory and mm-hmm. and think back on that the next time I go to give a public talk. Remember how you felt at the end of the last one, how you could feel, you felt like you could do anything? Mm-hmm. Channel that as you go into this next. So that's that's worked really well for 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 me at least. That's a great tip, Jeff, because the memories, as we were talking a little bit about, is that memories get formed more when there's emotion attached to a memory. Mm. So when you combine attention with emotion, it shapes a memory. So if I focus on this event, just like you said, and you focus on the positive emotion, it can also be a negative emotion, but whatever emotion, it helps Mm. shape that memory and it helps ingrain it into our subconscious so we can leverage that memory in the future. So that's a great point. Yeah, as much as I may dread it on the front end, I just remind myself that on the back end, I'm going to really be be happy with myself. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I, I too have come to learn that the more you engage that moment, just like you said, that moment that for me, that moment is, you know, if I, where, where one part of me wants to quit and the other part of me doesn't, every time I engage that moment and I walk through that door where I don't quit, I reach a whole new level of me that I didn't know I had until I engaged that moment. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. <laughs> well, I'm about uh, two thirds of the way through the book. I, I've read uh, section one and two, section one, focusing on awareness and acceptance, section two, action. And that's where most of my questions have, have centered around. Um, anything else you want to say about the book, whether it's from Section 3, Awakening, or anything else that mm-hmm. you want to make sure we know? Yeah, I think the most important takeaway from the book and the most important skill that I've come to learn that is essential to develop to succeed at anything is to develop a positive relationship to suffering, Mm -hmm. to do what I call cultivating courage. So practicing engaging that moment that I just talked about where you want to quit. The more you step into that, the more you'll be able to face life when it punches you in the face, (laughs) and the more likely you will be to overcome the obstacles that stand between where you are now and where you want to be. So a very simple way to do this is just to practice. Just take one step outside your 
comfort zone. I mean, I used to be afraid of Ferris wheels, Jeff. I used to be afraid of everything. And so one step at a time, I got to where I am now. And my favorite way to do this is exercise, as you can imagine, as a runner. But it's also just been proven that exercise is a, I mean, one scientist calls it miracle growth for the brain. So it actually enhances your brain. And it's a really simple way that almost anybody can do at any time to actually practice hitting that moment and to cultivating courage. The more you do it, the stronger you'll get at every area of your life. Mm. Well, this may be a tough question for you to answer in light of just the number of books you read in research for this one alone, mm-hmm. but I'd love for you to think about the books you've read the last couple of years, Akshay, and what would you say are the the one or two or maybe three titles that, that immediately come to mind uh, as yeah. having had the biggest impact on you? The few that stand out, at least in recent memory, is one is Buddha's Brain uh, by Rick Hansen. That was invaluable for my own research about it's called Buddha's Brain, the Neuroscience of Love, Happiness and Wisdom. The second one that I recently read was Peak by Anders Ericsson. And that's really about the science of peak performance and expertise. And the third one that very, very recently tapped into that I actually don't talk a lot about in the book because it's more of a recent. Well, the last chapter in the book is titled Love, Faith and Fear. And I discovered this one uh, recently as well. It's called When Bad Things happen to good people. Mm. And that one helped me find faith in some very dark moments in my own life. Uh, just on a quick note, I actually broke my sobriety few a few months after after becoming sober and uh that shocked me i didn't like that at all it was life stressors that really pushed me to a brink and that made that allowed me to find faith i've always been pretty good at engaging my willpower to accomplish a task Mm. but i think when you combine faith with will you can achieve so much more and that book helped me find faith so i think that's a very powerful book to explore your own faith and and use that as you engage your fears Mm, yeah i couldn't agree more well we i talked a moment ago about public speaking i'd love knowing that you do a fair amount of public speaking and, mm-hmm. and I've watched a couple of videos and you do great, a great job oh, sharing you. your message. I'd be curious what some of your tips are uh, for delivering an impactful and memorable public talk. Uh, sure. I think, you know, so some things we probably people have heard is, you know, sharing stories is very powerful. Mm-hmm. Stories make an impact in people's emotion, make it emotional. Just in terms of technical strategies, don't memorize the speech. Mm-hmm. It, I find that to be far less effective. What's important is to memorize the start and the end. So you have the kind of the, the bookend of your speech and then have a few three points in the middle. But one of the most powerful things that I've learned when it comes to speaking is effective pausing. This is a huge mistake that I've actually read an article that said that most the biggest speakers at the one mistake that most speakers make is not learning how to effectively pause. And it's something I'm working on myself is pausing when there's an emotional impact and using the emotions of your topic and channeling that into a speech. So when you say something impactful, pause and let it sit with your audience. Uh, you know, I could attest to that having spent 26 years in broadcasting prior to sitting in this chair. There is power in, in, in the pregnant pause, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Well, uh, I, I know the book officially comes out in it's October, is that right? Yes, early October. Okay, available for pre-order uh, now. Uh, what's your recommendation? What's the best place for folks to go pre-order it? Is that Amazon or, or would you rather them go to your website? They go to fearvana.com because okay. if we if you go to fearvana.com, we're actually giving away the book for free in the pre-order. So and there's a whole bunch of awesome bonuses that you get when you order the book for free as well. And all you, all we ask is that you pay for shipping, but the book is free. And so in pre-order, that'd be the best place to get it is fearvana.com. I knew if I queued that one up, you'd hit it out of the park. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. No, I want to get the book in as many hands as possible. Well, uh, th- this may be a, a, a premature question to ask uh, with the book uh, not even officially out yet, but is there something you're working on now that you're excited about that, that you want to share or talk about? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, after the books, after the book launches, Fearvana is going to expand into multiple arenas under this umbrella category of enhancing our well-being and improving the quality of our lives. Mm. So the next step I'm creating is a Fearvana Academy, which will be an educational ex- institution for the younger generation to teach them some of these things that they're not learning in school. Mm. So they're learning all the science, biology, math, but they're not learning resilience. They're not learning how to create effective habits. They're not learning self-control. And as we talked about, these are all skills that can be cultivated, right? Neuroplasticity. We can shape our brains, but we need the awareness. We need the tools to do so. So the next step is to create this Fearvana Academy uh, and to help the younger generation, which is struggling a lot. I'm, I'm seeing it more and more and more. So really giving the tools they need to live a happy and meaningful life ultimately. Mm. Do you have any uh, plans to team up with any educational organizations or schools along those lines? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're currently building this out in India because I've found some team of investors that are focusing there. Mm. And India actually has the highest student suicide rate in the world, which wow. is awful and shocking. So it's also a good place to start. So we do have partnerships in India with school, with various institutions connecting us to over hundreds of thousands of students across the country. But we're going to start in India with the sort of beta model okay. and eventually expand it to the globe because I think every student can use this, every young kid uh, can use this material and I think it can help them. So that's the plan initially, but definitely bringing it to the U.S. after that and all over as well. Well, I have a selfish reason for asking. I'm, I'm an adjunct at a local university, so I was, I was curious. Oh, as I to- would. No, I would love to <laughs> love to bring this material. I mean, it's ultimately just to serve these kids. So I'd love to talk with you more about that and how we can how we can do that. <laughs> Excellent. Well, the book again is called Fear Vana, The Revolutionary Science of How to Turn Fear into Health wealth, and happiness. His name is Akshay Nanavati. Akshay, thank you so much for your time and sharing with us uh, your insights and experience. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Jeff. Pleasure to be here. You can connect to Akshay, and I highly recommend it, on Twitter. He's at existing to living on Twitter. That's at existing, the number two, living on Twitter. All the links and resources we talked about, including more information on Akshay's book, can be found at the page created especially for this episode. That's at readtoleadpodcast.com slash 177 for episode 177. Please remember our sponsor, freshbooks.com slash read to lead. Be sure and enter read to lead in the how did you hear about us section in order to take advantage of that free 30-day unrestricted trial from FreshBooks. And finally, if you're able, a rating and review in iTunes or on Stitcher is always appreciated. Read to lead podcast.com slash iTunes there or read to lead podcast.com slash Stitcher. That's going to do it for this week. I look forward to seeing you next time for the next episode of the Read to Lead podcast. Thanks so much for listening to the Read to Lead podcast. As a subscriber, we challenge you to be more than just a passive listener. Become a vital member of the community. Visit us on the web at readtoleadpodcast.com. Until next time, remember, leaders read and readers lead. 